All right, y'all. Um, we're going to jump into this thing. Uh, this is week three of Unexpected. Turn to the person next to you and say, this may be the shortest sermon ever. Probably not, but there's always a possibility, right? Um, we have talked uh, about this unexpected theme. And so this morning we're talking about an unexpected king. I need to take you back. I was a youth pastor for 20-some-odd years. Uh, that's a long time to be a youth pastor, and it was the best job ever. Um, I mean, sorry, outside of this job. My bad. I loved, I mean, so I just loved, I loved being a youth pastor. And I need to share with you one of my favorite, it might be the favorite event we ever did in our youth group here when I was here in Albemarle um, as a youth pastor. And it was, a, it was an event called The Fugitive. And I had I'd heard about another youth, two youth groups. Here's what they did. I don't know if you could do that now, just now, but back in the day. So these two youth groups who did not know each other sent, they took group pictures. They sent those pictures to the other youth group, and then they had a night where they met at the mall in their town, and they were all dressed up, and the, the goal was to find as many members of the other youth group as you could in the mall, right? We couldn't find a youth group to do it with us, so what we did, we, we got adults in our church that they actually volunteered to let us take a mugshot of them, like in their normal self. It's like they knew them from their normal self, but the mugshot was like how they were dec- how they were dressed up, and they would like take on a whole other persona. And they all went to Concord Mills like an hour before the youth group, and they just I told them just, just go shop, just go do your Christmas shopping in Concord Mills from this time to this time on this specific night. And while you're shopping, just know that a bunch of crazy teenagers from our church are going to be looking, they're going to be hunting you down, right? And when they catch you, when they think they catch you, they had to, the teenagers had to walk up to people who were dressed oddly, and if they thought it was one of the fugitives, they had to, like, use a code word, a code phrase. And if so... You know, my hope was as a youth pastor that they would say this code phrase to total strangers, and the strangers would be like, "What are you talking about?" And they'd be like, "Oh, you're not a fugitive. What are you talking about now?" And like, it was it was such it's such a great youth pastor event. It was my favorite event, and we had so much fun. And all the adults they, they did it, and like I think some never got found. But the the one story that I heard from another youth group that has always stuck with me is they had. One fugitive who was never found when they did this game. And, and he was the guy in their church. Um, this would be like a, like a downtown traditional church. And so he was, the, he was the head deacon. He was older. He always wore like a three-piece suit and a tie. Anybody knows what a three-piece suit is? That's going way back, isn't it? Um, and so he always dressed that way when they came to church. But for the fugitive game, that what he did was he didn't even wear an outfit. He just wore regular clothes, and he spent the entire event in the food court just serving people. Like he would, like, take their trays and put them in the trash, and he'd get, out like, a cloth, and he'd wipe the tables down. And, like, the whole, like, for two or three hours, he just stayed in the food court serving people, wiping down tables, not in any kind of a costume, just jeans and a shirt, and none of the kids found him. Ever. Because he was doing something that they didn't expect he would be doing. They're like, that's like, no, nah, that, that, I wonder if that's so and so. No, that can't be him because he didn't have on a suit and he's like not deaconing. So because he was in, a, in an unexpected place doing an unexpected thing, 
they might have thought that they recognized him, but they weren't willing to risk it by saying the crazy code thing, and so they didn't ask him, and he never got found. You've experienced this. You've, you've gone places and seen people that you thought you knew from here, but because they weren't here, you weren't sure if it was the person that you knew from here. Am I the only one that experiences that? So somebody's in Walmart, and they're, like, flagging you down, waving, and you're like. And you, but you're not sure if, like, if that's them or not. I mean, I've done so much work with, like, in youth ministry in this city that if any kid would walk up to me and say, Pastor Paul, I'd be like, what's up? Who is this, Right? You just, you see a face and you're like, I think it might be, but man, I'm not sure because that's not what I would expect that person to be doing. And what I want to submit this morning is that's exactly why the people miss Jesus. They, I, we're calling this morning unexpected and unexpected king, but I want to be very clear. Jesus was not an unexpected king. They were waiting for a king. The entire Jewish people, they were all for hundreds years waiting for a king so he wasn't unexpected but he came in such an unexpected way that they missed him so this morning um y'all ever watch that show how to get away with murder you shouldn't watch it i'm just i've heard of it i don't watch it i'm just saying i've heard of the title this morning we're talking about how to how to miss a king okay how to miss a king so let me give you and i'm not going to elaborate on these i'm just going to give you six scriptures um with six ways that they missed Jesus, okay? Here's how they missed the king. Reason number one is John 18, verse 36. Jesus said, my kingdom is not of this world. If it were, my servants would fight to prevent my arrest by the Jewish leaders. But now my kingdom is from another place. I just think that's interesting that when we think that his kingdom is of this world, we tend to want to fight. So the reason number one, the way number one, the way they missed him is they expected a king of fight more than a king of light. I would submit to us and anybody who watches this later, I would submit that in our culture, we're fighting a lot and missing a king. Because when you miss the king, you tend to fight more than you tend to bring light John chapter 7, this is the second way that they missed a king. John chapter 7, verses 40 through 44. On hearing his words, Jesus was speaking. On hearing his words, some of the people said, surely this man is the prophet, is the prophet. Others said he is the Messiah. Still others asked, how can the Messiah come from Galilee? Doesn't scripture say that the Messiah will come from David's descendants and from Bethlehem, the town where David lived? Thus the people were divided because of, of Jesus. Some wanted to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him. Uh, we, we talked about Philip in, during our Party of Twelve series. He's the one that said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? It's like, that's why it makes such a big deal when people from Albemarle get famous, right? The hometown of fill in the blank. Because we can't believe it. <laughs> we're like, wow, like something, something came out of here? That's what they were saying about Jesus. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Wait, can, can he be the Messiah and come from Galilee? Here's the reason they missed him. They expected a big king to have a bigger start. 
And I will just, I'm going to submit this, okay? We are size-driven in America, right? And, and the Bible says not to despise humble beginnings. Sometimes I think we just look right over the small stuff, looking for the big stuff, and God's like, but I'm in the details. I'm in the small stuff. So they missed him because they're like, this can't be the guy. If this was the guy, he'd have had a bigger start. He'd have had, he'd just come into a bigger place. He, maybe he'd been born in a palace because he was the king. They never would have imagined he would have started in a manger, a smelly, stinky manger. So they expected a king of fight more than a king of light. They expected a big king to have a bigger start. Um, here's a third reason, Matthew chapter 9, verses 9 through 13 as Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax collector's booth. If you were with us again for the party of 12, you saw this played out in The Chosen when he called Matthew. <clears throat> Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners came and ate with him and his disciples. Do y'all know why they came, by the way? That's all, that's all Matthew knew. I know you're like, duh. No, no, my point here, and I'm, I'm talking to myself too. If we invited to a party at our house all the people that we knew, they'd be church people. He didn't, he didn't go out and go, Let's, I want to impress Jesus. I'll make sure I get people that need him. Those are the only people he knew. And if, if we had people that, and we do, we have people in our church, I love them. They load up by the van full of people that we, we go, why are they here? Because they need Jesus. Right? And if you read this, that's exactly what the, what the Pharisees struggle with. Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice, for I have not come to call the righteous but sinners. This is a long sentence. I'll say it a couple times. I really want you to get this. We see it in this passage that we just read, and we see it all the way through the Gospels. The reason that they missed him is they expected a king to stand with them against people instead of one who stood with people against them. So the religious leaders were like, if you were really the king... You wouldn't be with those people. You would be with us. And Jesus was like, time out, dudes. I came for them. And in parentheses, I also came for you because I came for the sick people and you don't even know you're sick. Right? Can I, I mean, I hope you're getting this. We live in a culture that is so us versus them and it's not just Christians versus non-Christians. It's, it's one side versus the other side. And we have bought this lie. Well, Jesus is a king, but he's a king on my side. We don't have time to go into it, but there's a, an interesting passage in the Old Testament where Jesus, the, uh, the Lord, showed up. And, and the person who was one of God's children, his statement was, because he was scared, because he was like a mighty warring angel, he said, are you with us, or are you for us, or are you for our enemies? And the angel, his answer was, neither. We're always trying to pull Jesus onto our side, and he doesn't have sides. They missed him because of that. 
There's no way the Messiah would ever be with those people. And Jesus is at the party going, you should come hang out with us because you're as sick, if not sicker, than these people. And they missed him. Reason number four. Y'all good? Merry Christmas. <laughs> Matthew, Matthew 21, 12, Jesus is at the temple. It says this, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all who were buying and selling there. Y'all remember the story? He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. This is the story that we all go to when we're having a bad day, right? And people are like, you shouldn't lose your temper. And they're like, well, Jesus turned over the tables. Yeah. But he was Jesus, right? Like, what I want you to get here is they missed him because they expected a king to overthrow the government, not overturn their system. This is good stuff, y'all. I don't know if you're getting it. They expected a king to overthrow the government. So I remember I told you, like, us versus them. So we think of us versus them on this level, like, you know, Republicans versus Democrats. But then let's just throw this in. It, it's us, all the common people versus them, all the mean, bad people that have all the power. And they were like, no, if you're really the Messiah, then you're going to overthrow those people. But he, he didn't do that. He didn't come for that. He came to over, overturn their system. He disrupted their system. How you doing, y'all? How are you doing at the end of a year that has disrupted your system? I'm good, right? I mean, there's some days I'm in the corner rocking back and forth, but for the most part, y'all, I'm good, right? I'm pretty good. I think, I think I've scared some of y'all. I've, I've made some statements over the last couple of weeks, and some of y'all are calling me going like, you, you okay? Yeah. I'm, I'm good-ish, kind of. Like, I, I believe God's doing a great thing, y'all. And I think that we have to give each other some grace while we navigate our king overturning our systems. So you can stop waiting on me to get things back to whatever you think is normal. And I'll also stop rocking in the corner telling Wendy I just want things to go back to the way they were. We have to give ourselves some grace to lean in because he's doing a new thing. And the Pharisees missed the king because they weren't looking for something new. They were looking for someone who could make their old right. He's overturning things. I never know what y'all are thinking, but I have so much fun preaching to y'all. You're so fun, you know. I feel like you're, I know some of y'all are carrying right now. It scares me. Okay. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not really scared. I'm not really. This isn't recorded, is it? We don't. Okay, good. That's the next service. <laughs> I get it all out now. <sighs> Merry Christmas. All right. What are we up to? Um, five or we up to number five? I've given you four reasons. You good? You have, are you, are you, did you miss one? I should go back. Here we go. Reason number five. Mark chapter 10. Verses 42 through 45. Here's reason number five. It's fixing to get, it's already good, but it's going to get gooder. <laughs> More good. 
more goodest. Here we go. Mark 10, verses 42 through 45. Jesus called them together, and he's talking to his disciples. He called them together, that party of 12, and he said, You know that those who are regarded as rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Man, I'm, I'm reading slowly because I want those words to really get your heart. He's talking to his followers. By the way, kids, y'all are doing great. He's talking to his followers, and he says, this is how the world does it. And then he follows it up with, not so with you. He didn't have to say anything else. You know, we don't have, I'm trying to, trying to go fast, and don't judge me, but I like Seinfeld. Um, there's this one episode where, you know, George Costanza is like the perpetual loser. And this one episode, he just, he orders the same thing and he stops and he just has this epiphany and he goes, wait, if everything I've ever done has failed, why would I not just try the exact opposite of everything I've ever done? And so he orders the exact opposite of what, whatever sandwich he was going to order. And that leads into asking a, a lady out. And she says yes, which is surprising. Um, and the whole episode, he's just like, he, everything goes great for him because he did the exact opposite. This is what Jesus was saying. You, you know the people in power, they lord it over you. Not so with you. And if he hadn't said another word, what he was saying was, you're supposed to be the exact opposite. And so he explains that. He says, instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. And all of you I know have had leaders and teachers and bosses who have told you what to do without doing it. Right? Don't you love those people? Don't you just love Don't you want to hug them? Thank you for giving me the opportunity to do something that you won't even do yourself. Right? And again, I'm, I'm just being as transparent as I can be. I've been in leadership meetings where they have said flat out, Pastor, don't pick up a chair. Don't, don't pick it. No, you, you, you tell people to pick up chairs. Are you kidding me? Is my, are my hands broken? Like, don't, don't lead worship, Pastor. Really? Like, I can. I mean, I'm not going to grade it, but, you know, like, I can. Why not? Jesus, he didn't tell his disciples, hey, you be servants. And then he follows up with, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served. But to give his life as a ransom for many. I'm trying so hard not to sound like I'm ranting because I'm not. But listen, y'all, we have a hard time giving God a couple hours a week. And Jesus said, I came to give my life as a ransom for many. So reason number five, y'all were like, finally, they expected a king who would position himself in power, not service. And that's, you know, back to the fugitive game. That's why they missed that one guy, right? Because he, they perceived this deacon as a position of power. So he had like, you know, three-piece suit, tie, well-groomed, the whole deal. They never expected to see a man like that throwing trash away at the food court. And I just want you to see that the Pharisees, the religious leaders, all the Jews that were looking for the Messiah, they were looking for him to be a man who would position himself in power. Um, just to make sure we're on the same page, he did. 
right? He didn't come and go, well, I'm not really a king of power. I'll just be a servant. No, he was a, a king of power who served. He put himself in the position. He did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, Philippians 2 says, but he humbled himself to the cross. But he never gave up the power. He just didn't consider it something to hold on to. He let it open his hand and said, look, I'll, I'll I'll empty myself, and I'll come down, and I'll do what you've asked me to do. And then he came right back up to where he always was. I want you to see that. When we position ourselves as servants, man, we're just like Jesus. Last reason. Reason number six, Hebrews 4.15. We love this verse. Mm. We do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Some of your translations say sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way just as we are, yet he did not sin. I I mean, like, you can find some theological discussions where they'll say stuff like, well, like, could he really sin? And if he couldn't really sin, has he really been tempted like I've been tempted? Can you even hear the pride in that statement? Does Jesus really understand how hard my life is? Yeah. Yeah, guess what? He's been tempted in ways that you've never been tempted. Do you know why? We give in. Like that whole phrase, like new levels, new devils. We go up like level one or two and go, I'm leveling up. Ooh, that's hard. I'm leveling back down. (laughs) Jesus just new level, new level, new level. He just kept going. We've never experienced what he experienced because we've never stayed in it long enough to be tempted like he was tempted. Okay. So how, how did they miss the king here? Reason number six, they expected a king who would symbolize strength, not sympathize with weakness. Does this make sense? Okay. So that's six ways to miss a king. We'd make a great TV series. Six ways to miss a king. Here, let's talk about, let's close with one way to not miss a king. And for this, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 2, uh, verses 1 through 2. Um, y'all are doing so well. You're doing great. Um, parents, tell your kids there's a video coming. There is. Because we always need a video, don't we? Like I talked to you for like 20 minutes, and you're like, I think it was pretty good. And I'll show you a video. You're like, that was amazing, right? So there's a video coming. Let's wrap it up this way. In Matthew 2, verses 1 through 2, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem, and they asked, Where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. Here's what I want you to highlight. And we have come to worship him. Here's how you don't miss a king. You worship him. These wise men, they made the choice to do more than just expect a king. Their expectation became exaltation, right? They expected him, and then when they saw him, they bowed and worshiped. Um, I just, when I was studying for this, that phrase, we have come to worship him. Man, it just got me down here, right? I mean, we... Think about, and about worship, I don't mean singing, right? So if you don't have, feel like you have a good voice, you can, thank goodness, there's other ways to worship besides singing. 
But worship, you know what worship is? Worship is just a lifestyle that bows the knee to the king. Worship is a life that says, in every part of my life, Jesus is Lord. And I will bow my knee to that. I will bow my life to the king. That's what worship is. And that's what these men did. I was thinking about that. I bet you can finish this. Um, It's on all these bumper stickers. Wise men still seek him, right? But wise men don't just seek him. Wise men receive him. Wise men, when they seek him and they find him, worship him. That's what wise men do. So, um, all right, so I have thrown a lot at you. So here's what's going to happen. We're going to watch this really short video. It's fantastic. I love it. And then I'm going to give you a big idea, and you're all going to go, oh, I get it, right? So first, the video. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a king wearing a magnificent crown. No, Dad, that's not it. Oh, really? Let me try it again. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a powerful, well-trained soldier. No, Dad, you did it again. That's not right. Okay, uh, how about this? And this will be a sign for you. You will find a democratically elected president. What? No. A trendy motivational speaker. A big tech CEO. A movie star. Time traveling cyborg? No, no, none of those are right. The shepherds weren't gonna find any of those. Okay then, little Miss Know-It-All. What did they find? For unto you is born this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Oh, that's right, a baby. Does that even make sense? A a baby is totally helpless. Yeah, but if Jesus didn't come as a baby, Mm -hmm. then he would have known what it was like to grow up. Ah, but wait, why did he have to grow up? That's easy, to save us. Ah, well then that means that the best part about Christmas is... The baby. Right, the baby. Oh, well, I guess it's time you get some sleep. We got a big day ahead of us tomorrow. No, we're not done with the story. Okay, just a little longer. And suddenly, there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with Jesus was a child before Disney had the child, right? Oh, y'all don't watch Mandalorian? Okay, sweet. Here's your big idea. 
We miss the king when we try to fit God's gift into our boxes. And that's exactly what the leaders did in Jesus' day. That's exactly what that dad was doing, right? He, all these boxes, all these wrappings, if the king had come that way, they would have seen it. But we miss the king when we try to fit God's gift into our boxes. And he has come, thank goodness, to blow our boxes up. And so we don't have to try to fit him into our boxes. What we need to do is the same thing that those wise men did. They came and, you know, when they left after they saw the star and all you know, the two years that they traveled, I, I don't know what they expected to find. All we know from the story is that they expected to find the king. And so they even asked the ruler, like, where do we find this person born king of the Jews? Like, where do we find that person? But when they found him... Their immediate reaction was, we've come to worship him. And they were giving him gifts. They were worshiping him because he was what they needed. He didn't have to fit into their box. They just brought what they had to him. And this morning, I want that for us. I want us to bring God our lives and say, we have been looking for you and we have come to worship you. I want to pray that over you this morning as we leave. I want to pray it over you as we go through this week. I don't know what your week will be like. Maybe it will be crazy busy. Some of you still haven't started shopping yet. I don't know what you're going to do this week. Eating lots of food, asking Jesus to get rid of the calories, right? But, but whatever we do this week, my prayer is that we would remember this, that he is Lord. That he is why we've come. That, and, and when we see him, we come to worship. Not to get what we can get out of him, but to give ourselves fully to him. Would you close your eyes? Would you make this commitment with me this morning? Father, as we've been here, as we've worshipped you, as we've sung, as we've enjoyed fellowship with one another, as we've thought through the unexpected way that, that you showed up as king, God, we, we feel our hearts echoing with the words of the wise men. We have seen this star. We have seen this great light. And we have come to worship him. And I'm praying, God, that our lives would be marked by that kind of response to Jesus. God, one of the, one of the things that we value here at the gathering is unexplainable worship. Like, we really like it when people look at us and go, why do you sing so much? We're just crazy in love with Jesus. Why do you give so much? Because we're just crazy in love with Jesus. And God, I, I've thought about this. The only real response to a king who comes in unexpected ways is undeniable and unexplainable worship. So I pray that our lives would be marked by that. That we would, uh, not in an obnoxious way, but we'd be the family members who just can't stop talking about Jesus. And that people would see in us an authentic response to a king. And it would lead them as well to bow their knees before Jesus. Transform our lives. Transform our church. Transform our city, God. With a king who came in unexpected ways and people who worship him in unexplainable ways.
ways. In your name, Jesus. Amen.